You are listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. into it, where we discuss computers, new technology, uh, everything on the internet. Uh, it's our first show for the year. There's uh, a few suntans, uh, a bit of sand between the toes, but we're very excited uh, to be back and to be talking to you again. Tonight in the studio, we have the uh, vibrant Vanessa Taholka. Hello, Hello. there. Uh, how are you? I'm super excited to be back. And we also have the simmering Dan Salmon. How are you, Dan? I'm very well. Happy New Year. And to you too. Oh, uh, it's getting late for the Happy New Year's. Anita just said that it wasn't too late for us to say oh, that. Oh, well, Anita is the arbiter of taste, so true. we'll take that on. Uh, yes, we do actually have a, um, a very interesting show tonight. Um, this week, uh, Melbourne sees one of the region's premier digital events, uh, PauseFest, uh, arrive to inspire us all. Uh, it's very exciting. Um, on the show tonight, we'll be joined by uh, George Hedden, uh, founder of PauseFest, uh, for a bit of a chat about what's coming up, and also Jane Martino, who'll be speaking at Paul's Fest this week as well. Uh, ahead of that, there's uh, a few things that um, caught our eye this week, um, or something in particular that we might just um, talk about, which is uh, is really interesting. Um, it was actually a Safer Internet Day uh, yesterday uh, across most of Europe. Um, it's an interesting concept because um, uh, it's sort of one of the, the, the issues that we uh, a lot of us have, especially if you have uh, sort of younger people in your family or kids yourself. Um, or you're a teacher or an educator or, or even just interested in, in, in sort of how we interact uh, online as we do, that um, there are lots of pitfalls and lots of traps and lots of things that you can do that, to put yourself at risk or to put your family at risk. Yeah, and there's lots of things, conversations you want to have with young people but without scaring them off the technology completely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they are sort of a, a large chunk of, of the user base across a lot of, uh, a lot of platforms. Um, so it's actually been going for 11 years across Europe and it's spread to um, other parts of the world as well. Um, the key thing are around, um, yeah, as you said, um, being involved, but uh, playing safe and just taking some basic precautions about what you do. Um, I've seen some really cute surveys that they put in front of kids to make them aware when they start to use um, email or other services within their schools. They say things like, um, under no circumstances are you to share your password with anyone. You know, this this is a private thing and it's really important to protect your identity. And, yeah, really basic messages, but really solid, you know, communications to the kids. It's great. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, one of the brands that has had uh, issues in the past with um, uh, security um, uh, breaches, uh, Snapchat, uh, has actually paired up with some of the uh, people behind Safer Internet Day and has launched uh, a resource centre uh, for uh, called the Snapchat Safety Centre. Um, and it's really sort of, uh, I guess, targeting um, uh, a few groups. Um, it's interesting in that they're instituting or making a bigger deal of their community guidelines, which um, certainly uh, Facebook was always very big on, um, here's what you can and can't do and, and here's what's appropriate and so forth. Uh, so Snapchat uh, are sort of redoubling their efforts there. Uh, they do have a, a safety module. Uh, it's actually a really fun site, uh, snapshot.com slash safety, um, really sort of in keeping with their, their sort of fun design and also a, a sort of a, a unit module for uh, parents and teachers. 
one of the interesting things about uh, one of the videos on there is uh, uh, how they're suggesting how pervasive it was in all communities at all times and that everyone's using it every day, which is not quite right, but no. um, <laughs> th- there are a lot of people out there who get a lot out of it. So um, so that's good. Um, we'll put some links up um, after the show uh, on our page to both uh, information about Safer Internet Day and the Safety Centre for Snapchat. It's just basic common sense, whether you're using Snapchat or whether you're, you know, um, any other sort of platform or if, if you're just putting your image out there or if you run a blog or something like that, you have to be careful about what you post, obviously. You are listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. You're on Triple R on Bite Innsworth for our first show for the year. Uh, we've got the shades on the desk. There's uh, a few cocktails hanging around, uh, enjoying the warmer weather. Pause Fest is on this week. Uh, it's probably one of the um, things that um, we on the show most look forward to each year. Uh, always interesting. Mix of people coming through, um, great installations, great art, and great new ways to experience um, digital media and the digital community. Um, let's not forget the networking, which is always pretty good as well. Uh, we did uh, expect to speak to George, but George, um, as a founder of an event, is running around looking after the event, so I think he's in a screening right now. But we're fortunate enough to have on the line Murray Galbraith, uh, who is deeply involved with the event as, uh, I guess, Head of Programming and Partnerships. Murray, thanks for uh, taking time out of your night to have a chat to us. Thanks so much. I can't believe you managed to catch me. <laughs> yeah, no, we're, we're, we're punching buttons madly uh, during that song there, so uh, we're, glad, uh, we're glad you picked up the phone. Um, so... As, as sort of being involved in programming and partnerships, um, you're sort of deeply involved in getting other people involved in the events and, I guess, getting some of these great brands that are um, either speaking at the event or sponsoring it or making sure it happens. Um, sort of how would you outline your involvement? What are you sort of doing day-to-day with the event? Well, I was fortunate enough to be a speaker last year. My, my background um, similar to George's. Uh, we're both advertising creatives, but he's a brilliant identity designer very good at uh, the branding side and uh, i'm sort of more good um, digital strategy sort of conceptual stuff so um i i spoke at last year's conference and we just really enjoyed working together um when george said look you talk a pretty big game uh do you want to back that up and and go and see if you can actually get some of these big speakers that uh, you've said we should have a pause next year and uh so we did it, yeah. I um, was lucky enough. We travelled to South by Southwest last year and um, had a good look around. And to be honest, asking people to leave the uh, their their office or their house in the dead of winter from from say New York or Europe to come out here, it's it, we don't have to sell Melbourne very hard. This the city sells itself. Absolutely. It's, um, it's certainly becoming clear uh, through events like this and uh, through numerous others and, and, and the great work that we're all doing here in Melbourne that we are, uh, I guess, an ideas capital and certainly digital ideas are a big part of that. Uh, so, Murray, Vanessa here. Um, I'm just wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the Pure Pause theme that's running through your festival this year. Sure. Uh, hi, Vanessa. Um, I, I think Pure and, and the, I guess the idea of the theme is probably one of the few things that I've had absolutely nothing, nothing to do with um, and, and no, no input. Um, George has uh, he's, he's really kept the idea of the, the, the somatic uh, sort of um, concept running from the beginning and, and feels that that's I guess a really um, something that really sets pause apart for him, um, and 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 I, I dig that. So uh, the the idea I think for him uh, was based around I think a line that that he was he was thinking about or, or talking about very early on, um, just after pause last year, which was 
um, simple ideas that can change the world, I think. And uh, we sort of boiled, boiled that down eventually to, to, to the concept of pure. But um, as I'm sure lots of Triple R listeners and, and, and you guys have seen maybe some posters or <laughs> some really annoying Facebook ads that have popped up over the last uh, little while, that, um, yeah, we had an, an extraordinary... Uh, team of, of, of two um, put together a really amazing uh, branding sort of package around that, which which we're really proud of. So that's essentially based on the idea of ideas boiled down all the way to singular atoms and and sort of the, the scientific and sort of math, mathematical language of, of that, which has been sort of developed out into this really cool, pause, pure kind of language, which, yeah, it's really cool. So, Murray, what, what sort of um, themes are you seeing coming through, um, uh, sort of either connected to purity or just sort of, uh, I guess, um, tech ideas in, in clusters or groups of atoms, as, as you would like to say? What, what are some of the things, um, the, the sort of um, coalescing ideas that are happening at the festival this year? Sure. Well, look, to be honest, I think what's really exciting um, and why I'm so grateful to be a part of this festival is things are starting to blend in ways that are only just... For those of us that have been working in digital for a long time, um, we've gotten very used to things blending. Designers aren't just doing... Um, they're not just building websites or they're not just doing um, certain specific types of design now. If you have an, an eye for design, then you're designing for UX, you're designing for you know architecture, for you know mobile, whatever it is. And that's really exciting. But I think what's really cool is that that trend seems to be shifting away from pure digital to... I guess blended industries or you know non non traditional digital uh, industries, if that's even a thing. So um, one example is uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Jira Harvey, is uh, a Melbourne local. Um, we we grew up and ended up going to high school together. She is now running a, a great little communications agency called Kalinia, and um, as a as an Indigenous girl herself, she helps um, sort of connect uh, community leaders and and sort of Indigenous groups to, I guess, to understand and feel more comfortable with with more traditional marketing techniques and digital technology, and the idea that that stuff is now not only available but sort of becoming really accessible um, to to non-digital types, I think is really exciting. So there's been a lot of stuff like that for me that um, we've really tried to focus on. Pause is really designed around this concept that we wanted to try and build a physical space that where ideas could bump into one another in ways they just simply wouldn't before. So to, you know, like build a, a session or a, or a stream like... Um, something that's coming up on one of my favourite ones on, on Saturday is uh, it's called Creativity with a Conscience. And that, like, that's a pretty broad theme. There's, like, anything <laughs> could, could happen within that. So, um, you know, we've got uh, a lovely uh, woman named Jane Martino um, who's, who's doing um, this great uh, meditation app, um, amongst many other things. Um, yeah, we hope we, to be speaking to her later in the show this evening, actually. Oh, so really? so oh, that, will, that will follow cool. on really well. Thanks. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I mean, Jane's, um, Jane's great. Uh, she's done lots of really interesting things, Smiling Mind being just one of them. Uh, but then you've got um, uh, Zoe Warren, who's representing her agency, August, who's, who's just near the near the studios there, and she uh, and her agency worked on a project which essentially put um, this is so cool um, put 
water filter, water meters onto taps all over um, a, a schools, and so worked with the schools board or whatever it was, um, and in order to not only stop dripping but to create a digital platform for kids to be able to monitor which taps were dripping so that they could go and save some water. But that, to me, says digital is starting to really cross over and, and that uh, that bumping up against, I think that's, she's in between, uh, so that's an agency, <laughs> um, in between uh, the Australian Digital Alliance and GetUp. And I think to be able to find, hopefully, some, some crossover or some, um, some similarities and hopefully some, some really challenging sort of um, bridges between those ideas. It's really so I think that's one thing about your festival that um, people could understand a bit more because you're quite unusual in that in that connection that you create between um, businesses and entrepreneurial people and creatives and it doesn't feel like you're trying too hard to do that sort of thing. Um, can you can you tell us uh, a bit about um, you know how how you go and have a conversation with a, a, a BBDO and explain to them what will fit in with your festival and you know try and find the right things. How do you know when you found that right thing, despite the fact that it's coming from the big end of town? Wow, great question. Um, to be honest, uh, a lot of those have really come from very, very personal uh, connections and and um, and experience. So, uh, the it's a it's a great example. So, when when Clementia BBDO got involved, um, it was essentially because. I uh, also run a startup outside of here called Dad's Co. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a proud dad, and I, I really love um, connecting with other dads, and I'm trying to build a community of them. One of my favourite creative dads is Ben Keenan, who's one of the creative directors there. And he's a brilliant guy. He's really nice, and he was lucky enough to let me sleep on the couch in the place that he stayed at, at South by Southwest two years ago. <laughs> Anybody who's been to South by pretty much gets what we're trying to achieve and understands um, almost inherently what what Australia is missing and and that is I mean it's it's just an extraordinary experience. It's, we obviously pause is, is small time. We, we we couldn't hold a candle to that sort of thing. But to try and create a, a space where those connections can happen. You need some. You need to to basically sort of be partnered up with people who just go. I get the vision. There's this is going to be tough. We're going to have to sort of push through with a ton of people in the business who don't get it, or a ton of people, you know, our, our customers who don't get it, whatever it is. Um, that's not easy. But fortunately, we were very very lucky to to um, partner up with with those guys early. Fortunately, I'd done some work um, in a previous life with the TAC, and they bought in straight away on the recommendation of Clems. They loved it. Whereas you've got, I guess, a lot of people out there in digital and, and I guess, for a, a lame <laughs> buzzword term of progressives, um, there's a lot of people out there who are just so excited about something new that the idea of connecting with either the big end of town, who normally they wouldn't get to sort of tell, talk, tell their story to, or vice versa, if they're part of that world, um, to get something new, to not go to the same damn marketing conference yes. about the same crap. We, like, it's so boring when you go to most places. 
It's so boring because you see the same people and everyone, if you're into social media, everyone's saying, oh, man, what's the next hashtag or, you know, whatever. Or, um, you know, like, and it's just, it's just so not representative of the world of digital that you two and, and I guess people like we live in because look, pretty much the idea that I pitched to George at the start of the year or this time last year was, I want to design this around the idea of a well-curated social media feed. I want, like, someone to sit there and every 20 to 30 minutes just be smashed in the face with a brand-new idea that, <laughs> like, they, they would never have come across because that's how magic happens, right? Like, that, that's an interesting point of view, Murray, because um, a, a lot of the stuff that we were talking about um, off-air um, uh, over the summer, and I, I think a lot of the stuff that's been coming through um, um, that I've been reading is about how it's a very dangerous time for, for sort of the free and open internet that we want to build. And when you start to bring together sort of um, um, big interests and... Um, smaller players who are just trying to sort of do their interesting thing and get by, it's really important to sort of um, to set the right tone. There's a, a series called the uh, um, Deep Web Series, which um, travels oh, yeah. around. Yeah. Um, and I watched a great um, talk on silence and and how the um, how we don't have to always contribute and how we don't have to be always publishing and, and putting things out there. Um, there was also one by the guys who did the Clue Train Manifesto uh, from oh, 1999, yeah. and they yeah, published their 100 new tenants or 110 yep. new tenants on what we should be doing. Um, there's a great um, post on Medium about um, by uh, about the um, uh, guy in China. I always get his name wrong. It's like L K Y, um, um, the uh, guy who's been detained um, um, yeah, by the Chinese state. Yeah, yeah. And, it's I'm half Chinese and I can't pronounce it. So. <laughs> so, I mean, it is really interesting. We're going to talk a little bit about um, um, uh, um, uh, sort of free and open internet a little bit later. But it's hard because we, when you sit there listening to um, sort of the big end of town talking about what the internet means, they're pushing their agenda and they're, they're trying to sell you a video platform or, yeah, or a subscription service. Yeah, and they're trying to buy service. space and that space might be pushing out, you know, your grassroots players. Yeah, so yeah. I, think, I think the thing, to, to your point, Murray, about sort of making sure you do get smashed in the face, that the woman who was from the Deep Web series was talking about um, um, it's important to be dangerous. She was actually talking about how she couldn't be dangerous because she was pregnant at the time and she couldn't go out for fear of tear gas, which actually causes miscarriages. Wow. And she was oh really gosh. worried about how she wasn't dangerous anymore. And we've been talking about that a little bit over summer as well. So um, hopefully there's some dangerous stuff going on um, and, and you guys get a chance to sort of <laughs> smash a few heads there. Um, is, is there anything for people who are sort of popping along? Are there sort of one or two segments that you wouldn't miss or, or one or two people that you think are really worth catching for something a little oh, bit look, different? I'm, sh- I'm sure there's, um, there's very Just putting you on the spot there. Sure. I'm sure there's very few of your listeners who uh, who would be disappointed to see the producers of This American Life. Um, clearly, as a six-year super fan, super nerd, um, getting those guys um, the same year that they happen to end up launching. Um, sure, you know. sure. This American Life, we get it. But uh, talk to us about Tesla. Oh, man. <laughs> how cool is that? How cool is that? Um, they've been amazing to, to deal with. Uh, it was a, it was a um, late, very late in the programming, but uh, really exciting. And honestly, I mean, it, I think it is certainly the first chance, first chance that the vast majority of people in Australia will ever get to not only see one, but 
I believe ticket holders get the opportunity to basically line up and, and book your test drive. Um, that's that's amazing. It's it's so cool. Um, for the super like actual dev nerds, um, the, the 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 real you know people who actually build the code out there. Yep. Um, hackers, makers, and breakers on uh, Sunday morning. Um, pretty much everyone else will probably be hungover or um, what will turn up late. That's the best opportunity. I'm aiming to get there. Yep. yep. Let's do it. It'll it'll be awesome. Steve Cooper um, is, is, is uh, out. He's the developer advocate for PayPal Braintree. Um, brilliant, brilliant guy talking about sort of Internet of Things and a whole bunch of stuff and how PayPal is sort of investing in that. Then you've got Ben Keenan from Clems. Uh, great panel. Um, if you're interested in more of the storytelling stuff, um, one of, I think, the, my proudest little sessions is really random um, but really interesting, I think. So same time, 9am Acme Cube on our smaller stage. Uh, we've got... Um, uh, we've got someone from Clems. We've got someone from um, uh, another agency. But then in between, we've got a theoretical astrophysicist called Dr. Katie Mack, who's just brilliant and lovely, and uses Twitter and YouTube to kind of educate the world on black holes. Um, we've got uh, my previously uh, aforementioned uh, friend Jira, and then we've got someone. Um, if anyone's had a chance to get down to Fed Square this week and see the amazing installations, um, yeah, the ethnotech stuff's been incredible. Amazing. So um, I couldn't get those guys to do a talk, but um, Aaron Sherwood, who's who's out um, from uh, direct from Brooklyn, and he's basically done the same piece here that he has um, sort of just ex- exhibited at uh, Burning Man, and um, yeah, so he's going to sort of talk through like essentially how he builds experiences uh, uh, for people and sort of like trying to engage kids and all that sort of stuff with, with digital tech. Very exciting. That uh, sounds awesome, Murray. It's a, it's a great time to be a Melbourneian and, uh, and, and working um, digital media or any part of the industry that, that touches on this. So uh, thank you very much for um, taking the time out to have a chat to us. Um, we hope we wouldn't pull you away from the bar or, or uh, you can break your way back into the crowd uh, wherever you are tonight. Uh, and we'll definitely be down there. Um, thanks for your time. My pleasure, guys. Thanks so much. You are listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. You're listening to Bite In Sweat on 3RRR, our first show back for the year with Vanessa, Dan and Warren. as we mentioned at the start of the show, PauseFest uh, is running now. Uh, there's uh, several installations and events and, and things happening um, around uh, Fed Square and um, Acme and um, all around the place there. Um, it finishes off this weekend with a speaker series um, over two days on Saturday and Sunday, a number of workshops. Uh, presentations, uh, happenings, all of those types of things. And we're fortunate enough now to be joined by Jane Martino, who's co-founder of Shout for Good and Smiling Mind, and actually a speaker at PauseFest uh, this uh, Saturday uh, afternoon, I believe. Is that right, Jane? That's correct. Yep, Saturday afternoon. Saturday afternoon. So thanks for jumping on the phone with us, and, uh, and welcome to Bite Into It. Um, oh, thanks for having me. Not at all. Uh, so is this, uh, is this your first PauseFest? Have you uh, had the pleasure before? I haven't had the pleasure before, um, so really looking forward to it. And, yeah, I feel honoured to be, I guess, talking alongside some of the line-up that are there, you know, well, have been there across the week and there. Certainly on the weekend it'll be a big one, I think. Both Saturday and Sunday has a great 
really strong lineup and, and really diverse mix of, of people. So there's an interesting and sort of, I guess, fairly natural connection between sort of um, um, presence of mind and, and being in the moment and, and technology. Um, quite often it's a trade-off between the two. Um, you're mostly going to be talking about um, Smiling Mind and sort of the importance of, of um, I guess, taking time out from what you're doing. Um, is that correct? Yeah, I think that's my main focus. I mean, I'll probably touch on a number of things that sort of intersect, similar, I guess, to, to my background, you know, in terms of meditation and how that came about and how I think generally as an entrepreneur and particularly um, when working in startups and with technology, how important, I guess, the support of, you know, and complementary the support of meditation and mindfulness is um, and how they really work in together and I guess how I started out in technology which was really meditation that that led me to that and and creating smiling mind so i'll really touch on a a lot of subjects but certainly mindfulness um will be at the heart of it and hopefully the relevance of that to the audience that will be there so jane uh vanessa here you've done something that's really uh quite challenging with smiling mind which is that you've made it accessible to a whole lot of different age groups people come into the app and you know you tell it how old you are and then it sends you off on your meditation journey. And uh, when did you realise that uh, this was going to work for lots of ages or did you always have that in mind that you you wanted to make sure that, you know, the youngest people could kind of get in there? Yeah, I think that's a great question, Vanessa. I think my main, you know, the vision and the reason that I created Smiling Mind is because you know, meditation and mindfulness has been so instrumental in my life and I just thought what a wonderful way, you know, to create a healthier, happier world if as many people as possible could be exposed to that and it wouldn't cost them anything. Um, And I guess I, you know, James and I, when we started out, looked at the most effective way to have as many people um, introduced to mindfulness as possible, and that's obviously to start at a young age. So we decided to really have the program move from, you know, primary um, right across secondary, because as you've probably read, the statistics um, are pretty damning in terms of mental health, both across primary and secondary. It's one in seven um, children in primary school and one in four um, in secondary school. So the need is great, you know, across both um, both there. But as we move through the piloting stage, actually adults, you know, whether it's teachers, counsellors, people we started collaborating with, were saying, well, what about us? So that's really what led to us expanding even further to that sort of young adult and adult um, category as well because we really realised that um, it's and it's very complementary to the program if the teachers that are actually helping um, the class, you know, use that as part of their daily routine are also on board and using the program. So it was really a combination of things that led to us broadening the age groups. But it certainly is a challenge, Um in terms of marketing and, and I guess, getting people on board with the program, which is why we decided to make it quite definitive when you land um, on the Apple website and stream people straight into their, mm. into their age group. We yeah. think it, the, the application itself has a lot of charm. You've got this lovely little thought cloud bubble sort of thing that's very soothing and there's no stressful time waiting bars and you've, you've clearly thought about that design a lot. Was it, was it tricky to uh, design something which had, like, a real uh, expansive age range? 
Mm, definitely. I think the, the number one thing that we wanted to do first was unpack some of the mystique and perhaps stigma around mindfulness and meditation. So we wanted to, I guess for want of a better word, normalise it. So the way, I guess what we had first and foremost in our mind was how do we make it more approachable, a little bit more fun and playful? So that's the first layer. And then, yeah, I guess when creating the brand, we wanted to make it so that it could apply across a number of age groups, but certainly the, the biggest part of our intent was to create something really approachable um, and almost bordering on, on playful rather than serious mm. um, because it really is something that, you know, you can really easily embed into your everyday by just taking five minutes and um, not taking yourself or it too seriously, but the, the outcomes and the actual results of you know, using that in your everyday life are huge. Yeah. So um, it, it seems really clever to us that uh, you put something about mindfulness and meditation on a phone, which is in the hands of your core audience, you know, the, the people who can't stop putting the phone down, and yet you've created a space of, of calm, and that's that's quite a different experience to a lot of the other, the other things in your hand. Have you had any criticism of... Um, of the idea of meshing these two yeah. uh, maybe ideas and, it's a and bit also maybe in a way, yeah you know. or, or the ideas of even involving a gamification type of mechanic in the idea of meditating Definitely. yeah so um, and I'll be talking a lot about that um, on Saturday because when we first started out um, the majority of feedback we had was negative. Um, ranging from exactly as you say, we're trying to get people off um, off devices, not keep them on it. Um, you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't merge the two. It does, it's unproductive. Um, and I guess, you know, and, and to be honest, very few people actually thought it would even work. Mm. Um, now, that's a combination of a lot of things, you know, fear of the unknown. Um, it, it is in some ways quite a disruptive idea. But, but I think um, what we said then and what I still say now is we, as much as we would love to deliver um, mindfulness and meditation programs to people in person for free uh, and have as many people utilise that as we could, that, that's just not the most effective way to do it. And in actual fact, if we're talking about young people, particularly in that sort of teen and young adult audience, if we deliver something in a way that isn't really engaging and palatable to them and their lives every day, then is it going to resonate anyway? So yeah. I guess what we did was outweigh, like we understand and definitely acknowledge, and we still do one-on-one -on -one workshops um, for both the corporates and the education um, system that we work within. But, but, you know, we definitely know that to make it free of charge, which was one of our big accessibility is one of our big pieces, um, and to really engage, it's okay to take something that is an age-old, you know, tradition and put it in a format, um, you know, that, that works today. And I've even presented to a big group of, of monks um, <laughs> late last year, which was a very confronting experience, I have to say, in lots of ways. And I could not, um, they, they couldn't have been 
more positive at the end, uh, you know, of the session well, and really embracing it than than any other group that I've presented to. No, I think that, that that's part of the uh, the job description, isn't it? They have to be positive about it. That's excellent. Oh, that's um, Did you have to tell them to be quiet and focus and, and sort of pay attention? Or? <laughs> no, they, yeah. were, they were the most focused audience I, I've ever presented oh. to, so they're doing something right. That's very heartwarming. So uh, Smiling Mind is, is not the only thing that's been keeping you busy. You do have uh, another project, um, uh, if, if I may call it that, uh, out, uh, Shout for Good, which is, a, uh, I guess, a micro-donation platform. Uh, can, you, can you tell us a little bit about that and, and the story behind that one? Yeah, well, that was really as came as a result of, um, you know, getting Smiling Mind off the ground and looking at ways that people that were using the program and really finding it having a positive impact in their lives um, being able to make a donation and when you have an application and a mobile, you know, a, and a website, it's very challenging here to find a platform that can integrate and take donations in a really quick and easy um, and mobile-friendly way. So that was really, I guess, the, the start of um, my curiosity around that and seeing the pain point. Did you find that also... um, people were kind of um, at a point where they felt fortunate, so they were making a purchase or doing something that made them feel good, they wanted to pay some of that forward? Is that, is that what you're suggesting? Uh, a little bit, but I think every not-for-profit wants to think about ways that they can integrate you know, funding opportunities and ways that they can keep the organisation going, particularly like us if you're providing your programs and services free of charge. Um, but it's it, what I learnt very quickly is that they're unlike other, you know, like financial services and retail where they're very ahead of the curve in terms of technology and payment systems, that's not the case in the not-for-profit sector. So it was really myself and, and a a group of founders who had interest both in business and the not-for-profit sector that got together and devised the, you know, idea of, of Shout, which is really, yeah, a donate micro-donation platform and donation platform designed to cater for us being able to give in different ways in our everyday lives and perhaps, again, tailored more to that sort of that youth market and mo- more mobile-friendly market. Just uh, just one more question, um, uh, I, I guess, before we let you go. Um, we're kind of going to be busting a few sort of um, um, acronyms and sort of basic tech things this year on, on Bite Into It. If there's one thing that you could understand you don't get about technology right now and someone could explain it to you at Pause Fest, what would it be? What's one thing that just kind of blows your mind every time you see it happen? It's a tough question. I'll give you. I'll, I'll give you one. I was on. Um, I was shopping for a, a, um, a laptop riser the other day on uh, Amazon, and then jumped straight away into Facebook. And all of a sudden, I got the Facebook ad straight away for those laptop risers. I was like, Amazon scraping my Facebook data with my browsers open. Um, I don't know. I mean, technology's technology's I mean, always changing and new. So it is, and I think the the one thing that I and I'll say this on Saturday as well. I am definitely. I'm still what I would consider very much on my L plates in the world of technology. So um, there's things that baffle me that probably don't baffle the everyday person anyway. I still actually get freaked out when, yeah, I've been on a website and then the next five or ten times I Google something, an ad for that pops up. Um, and I just think that's such a coincidence. But um, and I obviously... <laughs> Those smart marketers, then. Much, what a guess. Yeah, exactly. Very much no, it's not. But... Yeah, so I think I still am constantly learning and in a state of wonder about, um, you know, about 
everything that I have sort of come across. And I feel very lucky to, I guess, that a passion of mine um, and wanting to do something and, put, I guess, put back into the world has led to me being upskilled, um, you know, in tech. And I'm still, I'm still in that phase um, and, and feel like I'm in that phase every day, even though I'm running you know, two, uh, involved in two organisations that are checkers at the heart of what they do. So I, I'll have to get back to you on that, but, but it'll be something very simple that you could probably easily explain to me anyway. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll make sure somebody tracks you down and uh, tells you about retargeting um, at the at the festival. Uh, but if they start yeah, talking about fine. that, just, just run a mile because it's not that interesting, don't worry. Um, but we're, we're on our old plates too, so um, it's a journey we're all taking together. Um, well, that's the exciting thing. Lots of, you know, I mean, we can really... Sing can create anything we want. Perfect, perfect yeah, way to approach it. Yeah. So I guess that's the way. I, I don't fear it. I just keep learning. So, yeah. Well, we hope you have a, a, a good session on on Saturday, and we hope you uh, enjoy the event and uh, and keep in touch. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks, Jane. Thanks, Jane. You are listening to a podcast from Australia's best known community radio station, Three Triple R, one hundred two point seven in Melbourne. Bite into it on Three Triple R, our first show back for the year with Vanessa, Dan, and Warren. And we're still so excited. We are. There's a uh, there's a lot of uh, energy in the room. Uh, a little bit to go in the show, but uh, we did just want to touch on uh, a couple of things around uh, net neutrality, um, which is uh, an important theme for us on the show, and some movements um, with the uh, Federal Communications uh, Commission uh, in the USA. Uh, there was actually uh, a statement released last week ahead of a uh, a vote on a proposal, um, new rules to protect open internet uh, in um, in the States, but it affects um, everyone everywhere and uh, basically the pipes that we all have to share and use. Uh, it's interesting, um, we'll, we will put some links up afterwards about the boldness of the position that's been taken by the FCC and apparently there is a majority of support uh, for this motion that's actually been called the, the nuclear option uh, in Washington amongst lobbyists. Uh, last year apparently um, a big internet, if we can call it that, spent um, up to $75 million lobbying um, uh, Washington to promote their interests uh, and one of the alternatives that we did have, which was the thing that benefits us most, which is a uh, sort of free and open internet with a, a number of principles, uh, no blocking, no throttling, uh, no pay prioritisation for, for particular um, suppliers and, and users. Um, it looks like it's actually going to get through. It was probably going to be a situation where that was the extreme version of the act to actually um, um, promote some um, mediation with um, big internet to sort of find something in the middle. Yeah, but so it looks like it might actually get through. Yeah, so the issue came up because um, when the internet first came about, they were trying to decide which laws would apply to it and they decided not to treat it like the telephone network. They decided to treat it like its own thing. But this kind of legally all fell over. It was very ill-defined. People didn't really understand what the internet was going to be. People still don't understand what the internet is. Yeah, so what they're proposing now, though, is to really treat the internet like a utility, treat it very similar to telephone line services and um, to treat data, like all data, no matter who it's coming from or who it's going to, to treat that data equally. And that's that's really at, at the heart of this issue um, and also clarifying just the legal standing of this because um, while this might have been informally going on you've probably had situations where you see uh, people offering services and and they they won't count certain um, data towards your cap so um, sometimes the ABC has been in this position with Intelstra plans for example and uh, there can be preferential deals uh, so in some ways the net neutrality thing does affect um, the world in that they're they're setting some examples, but in other ways it really only affects 
service providers within the United States and content owners, content dealers. Um, so there's still some issues to be played out in the Australian market about what this might have to do with us. And there's some really great stuff by um, a guy named Mark Gregory. Um, he's an Australian. He's a uh, senior lecturer in the School of Electrical and Computer Engineering at RMIT. And he's written some great articles not only about net neutrality and what it means for Australians, but also about the NBN and how these two issues um, cross over. So we'll, we'll make some info about that available to you. We could uh, photocopy all those notes we've got there and send out set up a mailing list. It's so low brow here, isn't it? It's no. uh, low tech, I mean. Well, we don't, we don't want to be uh, we don't want people overseeing uh, and, and getting a uh, wind of our show in advance. That's right. Um, so some of the interesting, uh, if you do like a bit of politics, the politicking behind the scenes here is um, uh, months ago um, there was actually a push to demote uh, Tom Wheeler as the FCC chair. Uh, he was uh, very conservative in his views on um, how things should actually work, but he's had a bit of a, um, a change of heart it would seem, uh, in pushing this um, uh, very um, uh, mild, um, uh, in terms of the the business angle, um, um, set of regulations. But the way the FCC works is a little bit like um, the way judges work. They, they're appointed, yeah. and they're appointed by an incumbent government, so you end up with a certain amount of Democratic and Republican yeah. people on the committee, and there's a five... There's five people there, so that someone will be the the deciding vote. It's kind of like the comments today in the um, in the Herald Sun about Malcolm Turnbull and how far left he is, um, <laughs> and how it was a good thing that he didn't get in, perhaps. But. Um it's interesting in that they do have to actually release um, a certain amount of information on the act before it um, um, is debated. Before it is debated, yeah. but they actually feel that they're at a point now where they have a majority and they don't have to actually circulate the whole thing. So even if two or three people um, uh, actually kick up a stink, um, it's not going to make much difference anyway. They've released eight pages, um, and there's actually a 320-page um, submission um, that has to be poured over um, during the vote itself. So um, the vote, I think, is actually on the 26th of Feb, so it's not too far away, but it's, um, it's really exciting and interesting that um, it looks like, um, against, against the odds, we're going to see a, a great act and um, something that supports the, the kind of internet we all need. Yeah, well, it really ties into that issue you were bringing up before about the conflicting interests that, uh, and the, the conflicting uh, weight that uh, big money can have over content online. And we don't want to see a situation where people with a lot of money can do a deal with someone like Spotify and that will mean that everyone goes well I can either use this obscure new music service or I can use Spotify because that is uncapped through my service and uh, it doesn't cost me anything and you don't really want your interests being being pushed around by by money um, it re- it'll really stifle innovation um, yeah there's a lot of obvious problems of that i think obvious to us but yeah yeah so we'll follow that uh more closely uh throughout february and march um speaking of innovation there are some great things uh, happening uh, in and around melbourne uh over the next uh, few weeks and, and a month or two uh square sounds uh would be familiar to uh, a lot of our listeners it's a micro festival running uh on march 20th uh, march 20th to 22nd uh held in locations around inner melbourne with a home base at the evelyn uh down on brunswick street um focuses on chip music um drawing on 8-bit palette and and uh, a lot of bass and, and sort of weird stuff. Um, we do like to play a bit of chip music uh, on here uh, when we can. Uh, and all of the tunes tonight have been um, chip artists from this year's uh, festival. Fantastic. We've mm. got uh, Chip Tanaka, Alex Lane, uh, Adam Smasher, um, Grism and Fenris. Um, yeah, Galaxy Wolf, Go to 80, Eyeliner. Um, they're all going to be along there. And hopefully we'll, we'll have a chance to get some of those um, peeps in. Um, have, have you guys, did you guys go along last year? I know we're sort of busy here in the 
studio talking to the artists themselves. But I didn't make it last year, but I went the year before, and uh, we spoke to Fenris um, mm. a little while back mm. as well, and he was um, super interesting. And I guess I, I love seeing people play with uh, toys that I'm nostalgic about, and then make incredible music out of them. And yeah, the vibe at those events is really awesome. Uh, one of the other things that is uh, awesome is Amia, uh, Victoria. If you work in the um, uh, the industry that we have been talking about tonight, sort of um, digital and tech industry, they're actually announcing an internship program uh, with a difference this year um, through partnerships with uh, key Victorian universities. They're actually opening a Rising Stars program, uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah, so they're looking for expressions of interest at the moment from people who might want to work with interns coming out of mm. um, you know digital and media studies within local universities. And they're really looking for people to focus on a specific project or task or piece of research or challenge or something and pitch that to AMIA and try and, you know, match up the right interns to the right project. Um, nice to see them looking creatively about uh, uh, internships. You know, they can be a bit exploitative if they're not done the right way. So to have someone trying to look out for people's interests beforehand, you know, hopefully this goes well and we get good feedback from it. Um, there's something else that's uh, across my desk. There's a new diploma of screen and media that's happening at the Melbourne Polytechnic. And it's um, it's a new diploma course combining social media, impact production and video media production. And they're still interviewing uh, potential candidates um, for early March, for an early March start at the Paran campus. So um, that's just, if you're interested in screen and media sort of things and uh, the, really the cutting edge of that and how it's changed and how people are delivering these things now, that might be one to look out for. We'll shoot the links out on uh, Twitter after the show. We will. Um, so have a good um, pause fest if, uh, if you have a chance to get along. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot and ask what uh, session or workshop you would present if you did a, a session at pause fest. It can be anything. <laughs> I'm going to say I'm going to say I'm going to do one on the psychology of uh, early uh, games, console games, Atari, um, Commodore 64. We were playing those at the uh, office last week. Wow, that sounds really good. Mm-hmm. I think I'd like to do something involving brains and maybe um, scanning people's brains and their reactions to um, some of the artistic projection, like the digital projection sort of things, and and use it as an excuse to meet. Uh, oh. Yeah, like your brain awesome crazy if it's all artists my, my from Vivid drag them down. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to combine the two and actually have the scanning of people's brains while they are playing old games. Old games. I think that that uh, just be that pure pleasure spot going. <laughs> Just a word. That's the sound of brains. Yes. Uh, thank you to uh, our guests who uh, deposited a pure pleasure spot uh, in our heads tonight and hopefully your ears. Um, Murray Goldbraith uh, from Porsefest and also Jane Martino uh, who will be presenting at Porsefest on Saturday. Uh, we've been bought into it. Um, we've been gagging to get back into the studio and have a chat to you all about uh, this stuff. So um, we hope you had a pleasant time with us. Uh, you can find the podcast at rrr.org.au slash bite into it and we'll post um, links and episode notes up there as well. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. For more podcasts, information about upcoming events and our live stream, please visit our website at rrr.org.au.